With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Smithy away, Louis filling in this morning. Uh, Matt Brown would be proud of that. Pat Benatar. Unbelievable. So corny, Brian. But anyway, it is the US Open, and it's uh, it's underway as of this morning. Oh, well, this qualifier's been going on, but the men's singles and women's draws proper are underway, and we've already had our fair share of, well, we've had a, a decent enough upset in the, the sense that Holger Rune has Gonski, so we'll welcome in Brett Phillips, who has everything tennis for SEN, SENZ Networks, of course, host the first serve. Brett, thank you so much for taking our call this morning, mate. Uh, you've been watching tennis for hours on end already, no doubt. Yeah, it's been a uh, big night, Louis, it'd be fair, <laughs> fair to say, and it's a bit like the Australian Open, uh, the US Open. It's uh, they're long days. Uh, well into the night, uh, we'll get no doubt across the next fortnight some uh, late finishes in the very early hours in New York. It wouldn't be a US Open without the late night prime time sessions. So, yeah, it's a, look, it's, it's an extraordinary Grand Slam in a sense that it's more unpredictable. Uh, than the others, you know, if you think back two years ago, an 18-year-old qualifier, 150 in the world, wins the US Open. I mean, I wouldn't have believed anyone who would have told me that pre-tournament. I would have said, please, you have no idea what you're talking about. Take your opinion elsewhere. Uh, Emma Raducanu. And I, just for a bit of inspiration uh, going into uh, this US Open, Louis, I decided to go back to 1991 and watch Jimmy Connors Mm. His unbelievable run at the age of 39 to make the semi-finals. I mean, I've never heard a crowd whipped into a frenzy like this. It was pandemonium. And Jimmy, uh, he was bursting a fufferville. I mean, he was getting everything out of his body he possibly could. So they're the the sort of storylines the US Open can throw up. So expect the unexpected across the next fortnight. Why is that? Is it because it's the end of the Grand Slam season and there's it's a bit of a war of attrition? It's a, at the bright lights of New York. The crowds are very intense. Yep. There's a sort of player that suits the Grand Slam, those sorts of things? I think everything you've said there, you throw all that into the mix. Uh, yeah, certainly you get to late August, early September, and the body's got a fair bit of fatigue. I mean, if we think back to the big three, you know, Roger won five in a row in the 2000s, but Rafa and Novak haven't really got on any sort of run at the US Open. And I think since the year 2000, we've had 20 different men's finalists and then 14 different trophy holders. So, yeah, for all the dominance of the big three, uh, New York hasn't always been the kindest. I think there's that. I mean, I remember Petra Kvitova saying, uh, who, you know, lovely, one of the nicest people you'd meet on the tour, two-time Wimbledon champion. She just said, I, I just, I just, I get really stressed, you know, playing in New York. Uh, we stay in Manhattan, which is great. Then you've got to commute 45 minutes out of the courts, peak hour traffic, horns. You get to the courts, you're a bit stressed because you're already a little bit tense already before you match and a bit nervous. And then there's just a lot happening. So it's in your face. Some players deal with it, you know, better than others and can get themselves right into a zone.
We'll come back to the Australians just in a bit, Brett. But look, one I, I find it hard to mesh with um, American athletes from time to time, and there's a great controversy at the moment because the American sprinter. I don't know if you've seen this, but the American sprinter pretty much called out the NBA, saying this is the world champions. You're not the NBA champions, aren't the world champions? And American athletes in general yeah. can be pretty hard to to swallow that from time to time. They, they're interesting characters, but there's something that has for a long time bugs me. I am after another great American men's tennis player. And I would, I would really like to see one of these guys, these younger guys, Fritz or TFO or, um, it was Tommy Paul, I think was going around for a while. Yeah. I mean, what, one of these yeah. guys to kick on, I, I have a soft spot for the tennis and I don't know why, but I'm, I'm real, and this, and in this tournament, it would feel right. I mean, is there a chance that one of these guys can crack it? Look, you bring up a really fascinating point. So they've got enormous depth, obviously, with their population, the tennis system. They're always going to have a fair production line of players. But look, they have got a lot inside the top 100. Uh, they've got some who are capable. It's a bit like the French, you know. The, the drought has been 83 since Yannick Noah won. They've had all these talented players, flashy Monfils and Gasquet and Songa, but never the mental fortitude for mine to actually play seven tough, hard matches and win a slam. You look at the Americans, I mean, Fritz is desperate to win. Tiafo, look, I think it's amazing that he's got probably as high as he has because he's... M- probably preferring to be an entertainer rather than a tennis player, although he has knuckled down. Wayne Ferreira's done a pretty good job. He was a pretty, you know, um, stodgy, uh, just play the percentages sort of tennis player from South Africa who made a couple of Australian uh, semis. So there's, a, there's a, a group there that are capable. I just can't see any of them actually winning a slam, to be quite frank. When you've got to deal with Alcaraz, you've got to deal with... I know Holger's gone out today and... He was not happy about being out on court five. I don't know what he was tweeting at midnight <laughs> for, but so he couldn't sleep. Yeah. And he said, well, can someone give me some directions? And he just wasn't comfortable out on court five. And then you've got Yannick Sinner. We expect him to have a really good tournament. So the, the picking order keeps shifting. And the Americans are sort of, they're in the mix. But I, I just can't see one pushing through. And we're asking that same question on the women's side. In trying to predict the women's winner, and Sviantec won early today and she was superb and she's going to take some beating but is this the year that maybe Jessica Bagula you know can get past a quarter final she's been top three top four for the past two years Coco Goff is at her moment to arrive she won Cincinnati in the lead up nothing seems to overawe Coco uh, you know she's still so young I mean she started her career at 14 15 I feel like she's been around for a decade plus so we're asking that question on the women's side as well because they've got a lot of players inside the top 100 but is there one good enough to actually win a major? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Brie. It really is, and and like I, I just think it would actually be good for the sport as well. Not that the sport needs it really. I mean, at the moment, with so much star power, there's actually so much likability. I find in the top within the top ten seeds at any given tournament at the moment as well. There's some really cool characters, and since the past Raonic um, get underway, oh, about an hour actually. Um, yeah. That's going to be a hell of a. It's going to be a hell of a first round match. That's actually a, a, a ripper for the punters to get their teeth into. Well, there's a, and there's a bit of pressure on Stefan. I think he's putting a bit of pressure on himself too because even though he's still a you know, relatively young man, he has been in the system a while now and, and he's been knocking and he's made you know a couple of finals. He hasn't been able to get there. And then he sees these young guys three years younger than him upstaging and he's, you sort of think, well, where, where, where am I going to get my opportunity? Uh, him and his father have you know, parted as the, the uh, son and the dad coach situation. 
He's got Mark Philippoussis on board. Um, he's come back for a second stint and he's a bit calmer in the whole um, situation. Uh, Milos Raonic, he's missed a fair chunk of tennis. He's a big man who, you know, needs his movement. Um, he can hit a mean ball and we know he can serve big and he hasn't got a hair out of place, uh, Louis. But, you know, I think Stefanos should be probably a little bit too good. And we're going to get to see Caroline Wozniacki uh, back as well. That's the other storyline of the US Open. Oh. Formal... Former world number one goes away and has a couple of kids, and uh, the, the word retirement in tennis is used very loosely because uh, most of them do come back. Caro is a star, absolute gem, because we had her here in Auckland uh, plenty, yep. and just just a lovely woman. And you know, so she's married to David Lee, right, the former Nick and Nixon yeah. uh, Warriors basketball mm. player, and. They've gone away, had a family. I was so pleased to see that. I mean, it, it, with a, a player, I mean, she was never a massive hitter of the ball anyway, Brett, you know. Well, she she, she's, she had a chance to, to come back and find some form. Well, it's interesting. I mean, she really made her name as a bit of a counter-puncher and uh, she won that Australian Open, uh, finally got the breakthrough. I'll never forget you know, her and her dad, who were a who were really, really tight team uh, throughout her career. And I think you know uh, Peter's uh, back involved uh, coaching her, and let's see how let's see how long it lasts. I mean, we know Kim Kleiss has tried to come back; it didn't quite work. I mean, she was a bit older, um, but we'll get a good look at Wozniacki uh, tonight. We get a, a look at her in the lead-up events in Cincinnati, and you know she hit uh, hit the ball pretty well, and she's been playing some exhibitions uh, this year. She kept herself in good shape, so yeah, we're going to see a few mums come back because uh, I think Angelique Kerber. And Naomi Osaka are both due to come back at the Australian Open. So, yeah, a bit of that star power. Victoria Zarenka uh, won today. I mean, she's still playing great tennis at 34. She's lost mm. none of that competitiveness. She's fiery. And, look, she's, you know, certainly pulled it back a bit and mellowed a little bit as, you know, she's become a mum, but she still loves to play tennis and win. So, uh, yeah, why not keep playing until the body gives way? Uh, not too much, although Maria Sakari she she went down to yep. the, she went down in straight sets. Uh, Swartek um, went straight through, did barely broke a sweat really. So pretty much um, as you'd expect. Brett, just on the, looking forward, um, is there anyone you're you're really interested in to make a, a deep run on the men's or women's that we might not have on our radars just yet? <laughs> it's always the million-dollar question. I, I, I'm trying to be a little bit uh, creative here, Louis, and it, it's sort of the, the conversation does narrow a bit. If you're talking about you know, players who can genuinely uh, win the title, there are those. That, look, there's someone yeah. who could have a run across the next fortnight, and I could not predict it at all. You know, with what Raducanu did uh, two years ago, but I will give you one on the men's side from Australia, who I want you to keep a close eye on because I think he's a beauty, Max Purcell. Now, Max was outside the top 200 at the start of this year. He's now on the cusp of the top 40. He's got a huge game. He won the Wimbledon doubles, of course, with Matt Ebden uh, last year. Made his name in doubles. But he said, this year, I want to be just playing singles, and he can play both. He's an eccentric sort of guy. He's quirky. Uh, everyone's been telling him not to serve volley. He doesn't like to play boring tennis. He wants to use every ounce of the court. He wants to come in. Uh, we see the big guys do it, Maxine Christie and a few other sort of serve volleyers. Uh, but uh, Max uh, is one that, you know, his former coach said on the first serve about three years ago could make the top 20, and I nearly fell off my seat. Didn't quite see the trajectory back then, uh, but, gee, he's not far away from it. So a little, uh, just a little watch on uh, Max, who, if you interviewed him, Louis, he'd, he'd give you a bit. He's, he's not sort of your line-and-length type interview. 
Perfect. Well, he looks a bit like Cameron Smith, to be honest, the golfer. He's got this <laughs> half-decent <laughs> mullet going out the back. Oh, I love it. Okay. You know, I can I can get behind that, Brett. Hey, um, I know you've just your word count's probably at 20,000 by now anyway for the day, so we'll let you go. and We'll probably chat again during the tournament, mate. But appreciate it. It's a great time zone for us. We love it, and we'll uh, keep up to date with your work mm. over the course of the tournament. No, pleasure. Thank you. Have a good day.